So while I was delayed in actually planning this episode, I had so much fun. It was really Oh, I can fun. tell you did. <laughs> Monica, this kicks off our Americana series, which you and I both love. Oh, it's my favorite, honestly, of the year. Yeah. This series, In Two Monicas and a Microphone, is basically just everything that we love about America, and it makes me dig into the country that we love so dearly, the land of the free, the home of the brave, because there are so many unique qualities to America. It's hard to narrow the scope, but I think you and I have tried to do a good job. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know that one of my favorite things is food. So today's episode, we explore quintessentially American food and other things that are truly American as apple pie. Monica, is there anything that comes to mind when I say that phrase? When you say as American as apple pie? Yeah, like anything specific that you're like. I think, honestly, I think of Norman Rockwell. I can't help it. I think of white picket fences. I think of just this very slow life that no longer exists. (laughs) And sometimes I I think of things um, when I think as American as apple pie, as silly as this sounds, I think of things like ingenuity and (laughs) Coca-Cola. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I didn't even get into any of those. None of those were on my radar. I picked things like literally apple pie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but that's great because... Uh, Johnny Appleseed, who I will be talking about in a future episode. Yeah. So that's why I think I know you're going to get into why it is, but it has got to do something with the fact that this guy dropped a bunch of apple seeds across the entire nation. Right. Please tell me that's part of it. As we dig into apple pie, we're going to learn a little bit about the history of where apple trees in America come from. So that's kind of cool. Okay. All right. But first we need to set the pie record straight. History's first recorded pie was for a rye-crusted goat cheese and honey pie published by the Romans. I would love Mm. that recipe. I bet you could find it. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's interesting that American is apple pie is even a phrase because, as we know, America is still a very young country by any standard. And the whole of Europe dwarfs our time as an independent country by century. The Italians, the French, the Germans, they all make amazing pastries. And I know there are other countries out there that make awesome pastries as well. Just narrowed. Who could go their whole life without a French croissant? They're so good. Or Sachertort from Germany or tiramisu from Italy. It's no surprise that America's apple pie is an immigrant of other countries. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, There's very few things that originated here. That's what's really cool about us is that we have our own culture that is part of the cultures that came here. And we love appreciating where we came from and then sharing it with others around us who maybe didn't come from that culture. That's just, to me quintessential America. Absolutely. Apples aren't native to America. And I had no idea. The first seeds were brought over on the Mayflower. How cool is that? The Mayflower, they're so old. So these apples were most prolific in Asia and Europe at the time of the Mayflower crossing. So I do find it interesting today, since you know I love to garden, that apples then were grown from seeds, but now they're grafted from one rootstock to another. But that is really interesting considering Johnny Appleseed and that's, well, I'll get into more of that later. Yeah. So at the time they could actually bring over the seeds. By 1860, the phrase American as apple pie was already in use. Wow. That's really shocking because America was not even a hundred years old yet. Right. 
So we definitely put our mark on the map. Not too long after the phrase was already in use, there's a really great quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe in Old Town Folks, where she says, the pie is an English tradition, which planted on American soil forthwith ran rampant and burst forth into an untold variety of genera and species. Oh, I love that because it's true, right? You take something and you put a couple twists in there and then you make it your own. So American. Very American. Apple pie was brought here from foreign shores and it was surely influenced by other cultures and immigration patterns. And it spread throughout the world by global affairs. Pie is basically. So wait, wait, what, 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 wait, what you're telling me other nations eat our apple pie. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was like corn on the cob and only Americans ate it. No, Mexico (laughs) eats corn on the cob. I know. (laughs) Y'all, I wish we had recorded our 15-minute argument on corn on the cob. (laughs) So it's very similar to another topic that we'll cover, which is blue jeans. But America has this thing that they've made their own, and then it spreads throughout the world. We know pie is basically amazing. I love chicken pot pie. I don't know about you. Mm, Yes. Oh, so good. It's one of my favorites. And after that brief history lesson, let's explore the pies in each state. So if you're worried we're going to read them all at once, just don't. We're going to sprinkle them in throughout the entire episode. And for all those bakers out there, links are in the notes. I would like to make a comment on what Monica said about us reading them all at once. If you go back to the hot dog episode, we did learn our lesson. Although the hot dog episode is very, very interesting. Just break it up in little chunks and you'll enjoy it. But we're sprinkling it in, in the way that I like to have sugar sprinkled on my strawberries. So we're going to begin with Alabama and they have buttermilk pie with pecans. Alaska has a blueberry rhubarb pie. Arizona lemon pie. Monica, what would you say is the pie of Arkansas? Cherry pie or chocolate pie or lemon meringue pie, but not what Taste Up Home has said, which is chess pie, which I yeah. don't even know what that is. So if you if you look up pies in 50 states, there are like a million different links and they all have different answers. But I did find corroboration behind Arkansas and chess pie between Food Network and Taste of Home. Do you know what a chess pie is? Oh, I can tell you, that's for sure. Yes, tell me, I don't know. Okay, so Monica, chess pie. We may never know where chess pie got its name. Some say it was originally cheese due to its soft curd-like texture. Others say it's chest because the pies could be stored in pie chests instead of refrigerated. Different chess pies use lemon, vinegar, or buttermilk for tartness, but all contain cornmeal. Interesting. I do see how it probably wasn't chess, uh, as I know how people speak down there. It's 100% not chess. Probably most likely it was chest. Kind of like a curd-based, right? It's more like Mm -hmm. a custardy curd. Anyway, hope that makes sense. Eggs, sugar, buttermilk, lemon juice, cornmeal, lemon zest, salt, nutmeg, butter. That's the filling. Sounds, sounds kind of good. I don't know. It does. I'd eat it if someone wants to make it for me. <laughs> I'm about to throw it out there and see if anyone of my Arkansas friends have ever heard about it. Yeah, you should. Hit us up on Instagram. I will if I get any answers. <laughs> <laughs> it could be crickets. 
In California, they love lemon meringue pie, which my father also loved, and so does my husband. Oh, awesome. Connecticut has honey pie. And Colorado gives us rocky road pie. So that's basically an ice cream pie. It sounds delicious. It does. Monica, I am going to play one of my favorite actors who recently was in 1883, but you might know him better from Roadhouse. So no, here I know we go. him better from Tombstone. Let's get real. Oh, from Tombstone. Okay, so you go <laughs> way, way back. <laughs> yeah. Beef stroganoff, beef bourguignon, Irish beef stew, beef brisket, Chateaubriand, sauerbraten, roast beef, Catalonian beef ragu, Mongolian beef, chicken fried steak, steak Diane, grilled steaks balsamico, hamburgers, sizzling beef, spicy braised beef, barbecued beef ribs, beef wellington, pepper beef, beef jerky, beef with broccoli, beef burritos, beef fajitas, beef tacos. Do you see where I'm going with this? Beef. It's what's for dinner. I totally remember this. Oh my gosh, that brings back so many memories. That was Sam Elliott for anyone who doesn't know. And if you don't know, I'm sorry. We do have the history of beef from Hankering for History. And I would like to take a moment here oh, yeah. and give a shout out to Hankering for History for using the word hankering as I feel like it's the only other person that I've heard say hankering. I say that word all the time. Do you? You know, occasionally, I think I said it more when I had more friends from like Texas. Okay. I always say in response to food. So this is awesome. I also took information from beef.org. We have hankering for history says that beef wasn't a main part of Americans diets until after the Civil War, which I found fascinating. The cattle were mainly raised in the West and shipped to the Midwest for slaughtering. Monica, you must be wondering where in the Midwest. Iowa. Could have been a little further east and we get Chicago. So what do you think of Chicago when you think of Chicago? I think of the bears and the bulls. Hello. It's because most of the slaughterhouses were in Chicago. Interesting, because I always thought maybe it has the Chicago bears and the Chicago bulls had to do with the bear bull market. I never thought about bulls being cows because, well, you don't usually eat the bulls. We use them for breeding. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now I know. I never knew the history of that. Yep. So the history of Chicago Bulls has to do with cattle. Refrigeration also aided in which steaks could be transported to the East Coast, where the population was more dense, and it still is. So does your family like beef? Oh, yeah, definitely. Who doesn't like beef? I mean, if you're going to eat meat, how do you not like beef? Is Zach like really particular with his cuts of beef? Maybe Brady. I think he's probably what I would call a foodie. Okay. Um, I'm a foodie in the fact that I like food. And if you're going to make it tasty and cook it for me, I'm going to like it. Well, Paul is definitely particular when it comes to his cuts of beef. And when I say particular, it's not that he won't eat a cut that 
he doesn't prefer. But if he goes shopping, he loves a good tomahawk steak and they are beautiful and he does a great job. And his favorite is a ribeye aside from a tomahawk. So I personally love a good filet mignon. Oh and, yeah, that uh, is right? amazing. Oh, One of the best ones I ever had was in Chicago at Mastro's. Oh, Monica, this thing was divine. It was divine. Like, can't ever stop thinking about that. It was so good. We've got <laughs> lots of cuts of beef from flank steak, skirt steak, ribeye, cube steak. My grandmother used to use cube steak. I'm not the best protein chef. That's what But I did for. make some really good Salisbury steaks the other day. Awesome. Well, I think you should. Again, I leave the steak cooking to Paul because I always overcook it. And I'm fine with that. He does a great job. As I was researching this, Paul was next to me and I was like, Paul, did you know there's American Wagyu? He's like, what's that? So it's a cross between Wagyu, which is Japanese, and Angus. So you get this like awesome hybrid. Mm. Yeah, it's $80 for 24 ounces. Yeah, I found a website. I'll include a link for anyone who wants it. So now I just need a special occasion or a late night shopping spree. It's just, I don't think you need a special occasion to eat something that sounds that delicious. Just, you know, being an American in the summer. There you That's go. Right. That's all you need. That's right. <laughs> Did notice on here and in the commercial, something is missing that I love and was not mentioned. What? Prime rib. Yeah, no, it's just, there's so many different cuts of cuts of steak. But it's my favorite. And so you do I have a favorite. Yeah, I had it served at my wedding. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, prime, filet mignon's my favorite. Then I love prime rib. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. prime rib's delicious. Paul makes it every Christmas. Got a great recipe, does a great job. Again, I leave it up to him. <laughs> there are just so many. If you ever pull up one of those images of the cow, there are so uh -huh. many different cuts and uses. Yes. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about more of those uses in a little bit when we talk about barbecue. Ooh, yum. Right. So if you aren't hungry already, we're going to take a little break and talk about something else that's not food or American pie. It's baseball. Baseball is as American as apple pie. It's a common phrase I've heard. And for many of us, it's true. I love baseball. I went through a period where I'd go to a game in any state where I traveled. I've been to Fenway, Wrigley, Rockies, Safeco, Bush. Oh, and I have more on my bucket list. But Paul's not a baseball fan, so I guess there goes that. Well, I bet you have a local high school, which is what yes. I grew up watching. And I absolutely loved it. And my dad was a coach and my brothers played. And my one brother had a scholarship to play. So baseball was a really big part of my life growing up. And I don't think that you need to have Major League Baseball to enjoy baseball. Well, we'll even go up and watch the high school here. And there is just something like super quaint and awesome about watching teenagers just be really passionate about something and seeing the community come around them. So Monica, I would tell you to look it up in your area. I'm sure in Florida, there are baseball teams that you That's can go true. watch. That's true. And we do live very close to the local high school. So I think next spring, that's going to be one of our go-tos for family entertainment. Well, I was interested to know more of the origin of baseball because it is American, right? But like other things, it's an incorporation of other games that were played across the world. Many sports across the globe were played with a ball and bat. For instance, in England and India, you have cricket. Mm -hmm. Americans started playing their version called baseball before the Civil War. But by the time the Civil War came around, it was a diversion for both sides. 
which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, that's what sports used to be. Honestly, it was a diversion for people, just a way to not have to think about things. That's and, right. And that is why, <laughs> as you can see here, that it really became so popular. Baseball was just a way for people to not think about the awfulness that was going on at the time. I think that's the way it still should be. Give your yeah. brain a, a rest. The rest of this comes directly from the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I really can't do a better job than they did. Let's read about World War I and World War II when it comes to baseball. All right, so we're, we're going to start with World War I because obviously you and I both like going in chronological order. It's probably better when you're talking about historical facts. Yeah, um, probably. During World War I, over 220 major leaguers served in various branches of the military, actually 227 to be exact. This is something I didn't know. Ty Cobb was one of those guys. Right? I think that's so awesome. I think that's so awesome. So in World War II, more than 500 major leaguers and 37 Hall of Famers served in the armed forces, and many of them sacrificed their prime years of their career. At the same time, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt issued what is now known as the Green Light Letter to encourage play to continue, and he deemed the game necessary as a morale booster during the difficult times. Again, I would just love for people to go back to this origin of baseball and see what it was really doing for the country. It wasn't a divider. It was a unifier in two separate times of crisis. And I just wish that we could get back to that. Now, what is really cool about this is FDR is like, this is really important. So that is when the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was established. I know you're familiar with this, the movie A League of Their Own. It's one of oh, my all-time yeah. favorites. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's such a great movie, such a great movie. And you know, it just goes to show that back then, a girl could play baseball, like really play baseball yeah. and still be a girl. That's right, Monica. There's so much about that movie that is amazing. It's the baseball is fun, Tom Hanks, the story of the sisters, and just the American spirit that comes through. I mean, and I loved the, that they played in makeup. Yes, like, and that's the type of feminist that I've always been my entire life, right? Yeah. Like, I just love women. And we're all so different. Think about that baseball team with Rosie O'Donnell's character I love her versus character. one played by Madonna. Like, mm -hmm. and just that shows the gamut of women and womanhood and femininity and how it isn't just defined by lipstick, but also lipstick can be part of it. I love that favorite. concept. Yeah. I mean, I could go, I went out and gardened in full on makeup yesterday. <laughs> You're Not awesome. because that was my intention, but just happened that way. We might have to talk about A League of Their Own in our Nostalgia series. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So, Monica, where are we at today with baseball? Well, I'm not that familiar. I mean, I know team names, but I know nothing about the composition. But we do have two leagues. We have the National League and the American League. And there are a total of 30 teams divided into East, Central, and West. My team in particular is the Tigers. And the last time they came close to winning was in 2006. But prior to that, it was like way back. Not as far back as the White Sox, though. <laughs> I don't really have a team um, that I watched growing up. I, the St. Louis Cardinals a little bit. My grandmother was a huge fan of the Cardinals. She watched every single game on TV. Now, Zach absolutely loves the Indians, now renamed the Guardians, but yep. we haven't been to a game in a couple of years. Okay. Well, is everyone tired of the jock talk? We're going to go back to food and pie. Where are we at, Monica? 
We're at Delaware and they love peach pie. Florida loves key lime pie. I should get a key lime tree. You should. Yum. Georgia peanut pie. Hawaii coconut cream pie. I am not shocked. Idaho huckleberry pie. Huckleberry. I mean, that just reminds me of, it reminds me of Yogi the Bear. Oh, well, it reminds me of Val Kilmer in Tombstone when he goes, I'm your huckleberry. And then he shoots the guy. Oh my gosh. Tombstone. Okay. For real? Tombstone's making into the nostalgia episode. Awesome. Awesome. Illinois, we have pumpkin pie. Mm, Of course. That's where almost all of the pumpkins in the U.S. come from. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I learned that when nobody could get a hold of, they had a bad pumpkin crop this year. That's why we, it was hard to get a hold of things to make pumpkin pie. Anyway, I digress. Okay. Indiana sugar cream pie. And a lot of people make that here in Ohio where I live. We're very close to the border. Okay. So you find that accurate? Yes. Not like chess pie. Whatever that is. <laughs> Not like chess pie. All right. We're continuing on with a little more food, but now it's something, again, quintessentially American because nobody else in the world does barbecue the way America does barbecue. So what's the best barbecue in America? It's a hot debate. Is it Texas, Mississippi, St. Louis? Where do you think it comes from? I don't know that I can answer that because I don't think I've had it everywhere. But dude, when I go to Texas, like it's so good down there in the Houston area. But then I can go up to the border of Arkansas and Missouri to Bubba's in this little trailer. And I have like the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Then I can go down to where I grew up in Fort Smith. So, I mean, I'm going to say the Southwest, the part of the South that I grew up in, which is not you mean the southeast. deep South. No, Arkansas. Would oh, be Southwest of Arkansas. I thought you meant of, this, of the country. No. Okay. Okay. So there's the South and then there's the Southwest. So gotcha. Texas can kind of be that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep, we're more I towards see. the West, but we're the South. Gotcha. Um, so we're not deep South, South. We're Southwest, South. And that is where I think the best barbecue comes from. And that All would right. be Mississippi or St. Louis. Sorry. You're right. I never, I never thought about them for barbecue either. But if you want a great place to stop the next time you drive to Arkansas, um, I can give you the place. It's so delicious. Ooh, yes. So Paul talks endlessly about going to Franklin Barbecue in Austin. And we hear and we've seen documentaries and cooking shows and all this stuff about Franklin Barbecue. The line starts forming hours before they even open. So that brisket and those ribs have got to be out of this world. Oh, I'm sure. But I bet you can find something equally as good that hasn't been on the Food Network in Texas. I'm just so serious. Oh, for sure. For sure. The interesting thing about barbecue and especially like ribs is that you have different styles for like every area. No, I'm agreeing. And that's what's kind of cool when you say barbecue, you know, some people are like, do you mean the sauce or do you mean how you, it's not the sauce. It's like a whole experience. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about a non-sauce and that is Memphis has dry ribs and oh, a good dry rib is better than any sauce to me. Oh, I, I personally like the sauce, but you got to have the right rub on there first. Then in the Carolinas, they've come up with their own succulent spices, which I'm not shocked at all about that either. 
Oh, actually, some of the best barbecue I've had is in South Carolina. Let's put it this way. Is there a state? If there is a state that I have traveled to, I always go seek out the barbecue places and not every place has one. Sure. Um, Like when I go visit people in Illinois, there's probably nowhere to eat barbecue. There's lots of German food, though. We've talked ad nauseum about Texas barbecue, (laughs) and it's pretty much amazing all over the state. Well, having just left St. Louis, it has its own St. Louis style rib. And when I've seen them at the grocery store at Costco, I'm like, what does that even mean? So I had to look it up. Based on Cook's Illustrated, which is a great website, it's the brisket bone and meat, which contains tough pieces of cartilage, are often trimmed off to produce a narrower rectangular rack. I always thought it was a rub. I always thought it was like like Memphis with a dry rub or whatever. No, it's literally the shape and the cut. Well, now we learned something new and we're getting ready to learn something else new because we're going to dig into history just a bit, which, you know, I love history of anything as to probably most of our fans, which is why they listen. Okay. It became a favorite food of Americans when the cowboys back in the wild West would drive their cattle from the West to the Midwest. As you talked about earlier, Chicago Bulls, right? Mm -hmm. So they would eat the scraps of cow, which were often tough and stringy. So they had to cook it for hours to make it tender, which is where we get the process for making all of our barbecue. That's why we cook it forever and ever and ever and ever. That's right. So I don't know which state is the original home of barbecue, but like with some other things that we've learned, I think it happens simultaneously, even if multiple states want to claim that they're number one. I mean, we're competitive, right? Oh, definitely. Well, I have some ribs in the refrigerator right now, fully cooked and sauced and everything. Mm. But I have a funny little story about those ribs. Okay. Apparently, I bought the wrong ribs over the weekend. Oh, no. Did you have to to throw them out now? Nope. (laughs) But you might be asking how you can buy the wrong ribs. Yeah. Yeah. This It's wrong if you do this. When you call your husband and you ask if you're supposed to buy spare ribs or baby back ribs, and your husband tells you baby back ribs, and you come back with spare ribs accidentally, you will never hear the end of it. Ever. Was it truly an accident? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's truly an accident. I looked at the sign and I picked the ribs from the baby back rib sign. Oh, and for someone sure. had mixed them up, but I didn't read the fine print on the package. That can happen. I could talk all day about eating freaking barbecue. <laughs> yep, barbecue is delicious. And the best part is it's not just ribs or brisket. Like you've got pulled pork, you can have barbecue chicken, you can, but we'll go into the difference between barbecue and grilling in just a bit. And now we've come to Iowa for pie, sour cream raisin pie. That sounds so disgusting. I'm with you 100%. It's gross. I went and looked it up on the website that you put here as a link. And the girl that's making the pies, like, this reminds me of my grandma. And I was thinking, you must really love your grandma because this is disgusting. It's disgusting. It literally has sour cream in it and raisins, which... I mean, I am I am literally thinking of a like jar of sour cream with raisins in it and I'm grossed out. No. Sorry, Iowa. Like put some corn in there or something. <laughs> and then in Kansas, they like the hazelnut pecan pie. Very interesting that they have a hazelnut in there because is that even indigenous to Kansas? Well, it's not indigenous, but it's like the 
third largest nut grown in the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, Kentucky has uh, urban chocolate pecan pie. Okay, that sounds right up my alley. And of course they have bourbon. I mean, do they yeah. have anything that's not bourbon? <laughs> Probably not. In Louisiana, they have blackberry pie. Maine is blueberry pie. And while I love blueberries, I do not like blueberry pie. Okay, in Maryland, they have white potato pie. And this triggered a really dumb poem that my dad used to say. And now I'm going to have to say it to you in the exact manner as an honor to my okay. father who's passed in the way he would sing it to us. Okay, let me see if I can remember it. One potato, two potato, three potato, four. Who's that hiding behind my door? If you, if I catch you messing with my pie, I'm going to punch you right in the eye. So <laughs> today it. is the first day that I learned that there's actually a such thing as white potato pie. And I just thought my dad liked to make up random poems. And he did. This might not even be like it may be one. No, I think, that... I've heard, I think I've heard of it. Okay. <laughs> my yeah. dad always coming up with like really goofy stuff. So I never oh, know. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Well, okay. Let's take a break from food again. And let's talk about cowboys and blue jeans. All of this information comes from historyofjeans.com. Blue jeans and cowboys, both American as apple pie. Let's start with the word denim and see how it morphed to blue jeans and why it's blue jeans that are iconic. Monica, we have some French words in here that I know you're going to want to pronounce, but I saved Nobody, you. Yeah, thank you. Nobody <laughs> wants that. The word denim comes from fabric, ser de Nîmes, made in France, city of Nîmes, where it originates. This fabric has been used in America since the late 18th century, colored blue with indigo dye to make jeans blue or blue jeans, a type of cotton pants. And the research I was doing, it gave the exact description of how the fabric is made and why it's blue on the outside and white on the inside. But I felt like that was a little too nitty gritty for the show. That is too nitty gritty for this particular episode. Mm -hmm. But it would be interesting to know why sometimes you get all that indigo on your fingers. Because it's dye. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so jeans comes from the word genus, a name given by French to Genoa and the people from Genoa where the cotton trousers were made. So Genoa is in Italy, by the way. Well, we're just world travelers with our well, jeans. Okay. Well, yeah. And like, you know, Italy is famous for clothing, right? I would never associate them with blue jeans. No, no, no. But so this is just high fashion. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Yeah. So in the 1800s, during the gold rush, American gold miners needed clothes that were strong, lasted longer, and did not tear easily. And I will have to say that if you look out today, you will see construction workers are wearing jeans. We have Carhartts uh, for the winter, but, in, but they mainly wear jeans and construction still. Yeah, no, that's true. Every construction worker I've ever seen is wearing blue jeans. Enters Levi Strauss, a businessman, and Jacob Davis, a tailor. And they supplied miners with denim pants that were made from durable material and reinforced with those classic rivets, right? Mm -hmm. At the places where pants tended to tear. So it prolonged the life. They need to put those like in the inner thigh of all of my jeans. Just a side note. Anyone else's? That's thighs because your thighs together. rub together. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Even when I was skinny. No, okay. me, me either. Um, so this marked the beginning of the legend of jeans and the brand Levi Strauss is hugely successful with today. And obviously, if you don't know, that's Levi's. Yeah. 
Did you ever have a pair of Levi's? I don't think that I did. We could not afford Levi's. And what was the only thing that way was guest jeans with a triangle. I only had one pair of Levi 501s. It was like a special treat. And I loved them so much. Like they fit. I was so tiny. It was amazing. Well, speaking of Levi's, that's all my dad wore. They're great jeans. I think I might go buy myself a new pair. Now that I think about it, I feel like he wore this same pair for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because they last. They do. That's the idea, they do. right? My dad was not a man who wore jeans very often, though. He always wore his cowboy boots and a pair of really nice slacks like everywhere. That's so sweet. My yeah, dad wears the navy 80- blue work pants and like work boots. Yeah. Or in the 80s, he wore cut off white shorts. So let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Now, we introduced the world to jeans when our soldiers during World War II started wearing them when they were on leave. Kind of like apple pie. Right. And then you have Hollywood that puts jeans on the map with, guess what, cowboy movies where the actors wore jeans. And then this is my favorite. Wearing denim was seen as a sign of rebellion in the 1950s. I mean, think of movies like Grease and Cry Baby, bad boys wearing jeans. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I love it. And I love that it's rebellion because there is nothing more American than being a bunch of rebels. Right? And you're not wearing khakis? What? You're a terrible person. Go away. (laughs) You're going to get me to smoke cigarettes, drink beer. So funny. And Hollywood continued on with Marlon Brando in his 1953 film, The Wild One. And of course, the iconic James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause, from 1955. Well, why wouldn't people associate it with rebellion? Like, the movie's called Rebel Without a Cause. And The Wild One. Right. (laughs) It's crazy. Did you know that some places even banned the jeans because of what they quote-unquote symbolized? Like schools and theaters? I did not know this, but I am not shocked because something else that's super American is banning things (laughs) is our Puritan ways. It just rears its ugly head every once in a while. I still think back to the fact that we had a constitutional amendment that banned the sale of alcohol. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, well Well, after we were an established country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we were talking about how you think of jeans now, how it's designer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people pay hundreds of dollars for designer denim. By the time I could afford designer jeans, those designer jeans are no longer designer jeans. I won't tell you where I buy my jeans now because it's a little pathetic. But the companies like Levi, Strauss, Wrangler, and Lee started it all. And then we have Guess and we have the Gap. I mean, Gap jeans were huge, Express jeans. People basically Mm -hmm. took it over and it's- Did you ever wear silvers back in the 90s? No, I didn't. Those even are know my what that favorite was. jeans of all time. I think that they sold. They were expensive, very expensive. I only had a couple pairs. I think I wore them out every single night that we went out freshman and sophomore year, like without a doubt. Unless we were wearing black pants in, in those little tank tops, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, who could forget the '90s black pants? Oh, Yay. I cannot wait because we are doing '90s fashion during nostalgia series. So, so I'm fun. just. I'm pumped. Okay, sorry. All right, so now let's talk about how I don't fit into my senior year high school Levi's 501s because I was eating too much pie. We're going to go with Massachusetts. Apple pie with cheddar (laughs) crust. 
realized you're eating too much pie or you became an actual woman. Okay. I don't think either one of us need to be fitting into what we wore when we were like 18. No, 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 no. Um, Although I still have my favorite pair of jeans. Side note from high school. I wish I had kept my Levi's just as a memento. Days gone by. now, as we travel down the pie roadmap, we get to Michigan. Actually, this is an alphabetical roadmap, everybody. And Michigan is cherry pie, and I'm not shocked at all. She's my cherry pie. Me either, and that is my absolute favorite pie. I love cherry pie. I love peanut butter pie. I love key lime pie. I don't like the fruit pies. The fruit grosses me out. You've said that before. <laughs> Minnesota, we have banana cream pie, which I'm honestly surprised. Yeah, they're like rando with the bananas. Yeah, rando. Okay. Up in Minnesota, they probably have to import every single fruit most of the year. So why not Mm -hmm. import a banana? Mississippi is, now let's everyone be shocked here, Mississippi mud pie. (laughs) And Missouri is butterscotch pie, which as long as I live, I've never had it. I never even heard of it. Oh, I wish my dad was still around. He grew up in Missouri and he loves butterscotch. So things are clicking. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it because it was never on any menu that I ever came across. But you are in St. Louis. Sometimes when you're in the city area of a state, okay, so it's like saying that things that are in Chicago are things that are in Illinois and they're like two separate microcosms. Okay. That's my 25 cents worth because of inflation. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Inflation. (laughs) And then in Montana, we have huckleberry pie. Oh, huckleberry. Two states have huckleberry pie. Who knew? Who knew? I don't even know what a huckleberry is. I'm guessing it's a berry. Yeah, it's it's pretty small. (laughs) Kind of like the Marion berries, which we'll get to when we get to Oregon. In order to go with your pie, you have to have dinner first. And we come to hamburgers. Oh my gosh. There is nothing I like more than a hamburger except pizza except barbecue but hamburgers i love them i will just get a hankering for a hamburger as i say to zach and he will just need to either make me one or we have to go out and get one and no i don't mean no i i feel the same way we live right by a culver's and no it's not like gourmet or anything but like sometimes i drive past and i'm hungry Mm -hmm. i'm like i just there's nothing that's going to satisfy me like a hamburger yes nothing so i did some research on the hamburger I did, even uh-huh. though, you, okay, so this is editorial, even though okay. you have it listed here, I had done this a while back because <laughs> okay. we had a question in my house. Okay. I'm with you with putting this on here. A hamburger is as American as apple pie. And when I did this research, I think it's because Brady or Lillian, we were trying to figure out why is it called a hamburger? It's not made out of ham. Who hasn't had that question, right? Mm-hmm. It's speculated to have come from Hamburg, Germany. And that's why it's called hamburger. I don't know if that is fully true. There might be some other theories, but that's the running theory out there on the interwebs. Yes. Well, in 1874, according to worldatlas.com, sailors transitioning between Germany and America would most likely eat a Hamburg steak, which was made of fried beef steak. And later, Germans moved to America and carried their delicacy with them. But the other theory is that the hamburger was named after the town of Hamburg in the state of New York. I like that better. So I'm going to go Me too. <laughs> Let's go with that. And so there's this like huge fight slash debate about who created the first hamburger. ABC.com has a whole thing on it. If you go to worldatlas.com, you can find it. And there are like 10 different people slash cities 
where it was presumed or they claim to have created it. But I thought it was more fun to dig into some kind of weird, interesting facts. Oh, okay. So I, you know me, I love weird interesting I know, right? facts. So bring it on. On September 2nd, 2012, the Black Bear Casino got the Guinness World Record for the biggest burger. It weighed 2,014 pounds. Uh. That's quite a few cows. That's quite a few cows to make that burger. I wonder, do you know if anyone ate it? It did not go into that, but they could probably have fed the entire casino. Talking about big burgers. Now, this isn't in the Guinness Book of World Records, but... In the town where I grew up or the town where I was born and they're side by side, whatever, everybody, Fort Smith, Arkansas, there is a place that serves a burger the size of a pizza and you share it with your family. Oh, that's fun. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. We took the kids there uh, several years ago and I remember eating there when I was a little kid and thinking it was the coolest experience. And then I went back with my kids and it still was a cool experience. So if you ever go to Fort Smith, Arkansas, check it out. Oh, wait, wait, so, hold on. I have what? a story. My dad worked nights. He worked nights for a long time. At one point, he came home telling us this story of what he called the butt burger. (laughs) (laughs) And every once in a while, they would order food and have it brought in. And it was the butt burger. And it was a one pound burger. Mm. I just thought it was funny because it was called the butt burger. And, you know, I was like 13. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, but I wonder why it was called the butt burger. And that's fun to say, right? Okay, so you were talking about a casino earlier. Well, in another weird fact, there was the heart heart attack grill in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's known for its unhealthy foods. So it prepares an unhealthy burger known as the bypass burger. And the hotel's management lets people weighing over 350 pounds eat for free. What? I think that's is really going a disservice. I think that's really a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah. A little morbid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. It's like encouraging the tragedy. Well, let's talk about the first hamburger ever made out of, oh my God, this makes my stomach hurt. Lab grown cow stem cells. Mm, You know, there's something grosser out there. What? You can grow your own stem cells and eat them. And there are some celebrities. I looked it up and it was real. That's disgusting. Yeah, no, but we're talking about hamburgers, not celebrities oh, eating themselves, okay. not self-cannibalism, okay? So on August 5th, 2013, the first hamburger made out of lab-grown stem cells was by Mark Post of Maastricht University in the Netherlands, and I totally butchered that. The co-founder of Google, Sergey Bring, also supported the project. Okay, I'm just going to say this. No, you don't. We don't need lab grown anything that we're consuming as food. Like, I'm serious. Like, this is bizarre. I don't want a lab grown banana. I don't want a lab grown cow. I don't think what you care, what you think it is helping or whatnot. Like, there's, it's just not right. We're natural beings and we need to have natural food. And this coming from someone who will eat a Twinkie, I get it. How do you feel about the Impossible Burger? You know what I'm it is, keep right? A lot of my comments to myself <laughs> on all of this. I am sorry. I probably said as much as I want to say about this type of thing and all this plant-based food that everyone's eating. Most of that is grown in a lab. You're eating chemicals. You are all right. I don't. It's all, I don't it's get all, it. I don't want to do it. I don't. I, I don't one. think it's right. Probably never will. If you really want the texture 
of meat, just eat meat. That's exactly what I was about to say, Monica, and that's how I feel about it. Okay, so at the end of the day, you don't want to eat an animal, and, I, and I'm not going to say you need to. That is your choice about why you don't want to eat an animal. But an animal had to die so that we would know how to make impossible meat. So at the end of the day, animals had to die regardless, or you wouldn't know how it point. tastes or smells or feels. That's a good point. Okay. Also, I'm sorry for the tangent on hating no. fake food. I can't. No, listen. no, no. I, I mean, I might actually leave it in there because I think our listeners will appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Monica, now that we've told everyone our feelings about fake food and <laughs> lab created food, let's get back to pie. We've Ooh, got Nebraska. Yes. Is Dutch cranberry apple pie. I think that sounds amazing. I might just travel to Nebraska for it. Me too. If you go down to Nevada and I'm getting ready to go to Las Vegas, they have a chocolate cream pie, which is one of my favorites. Oh, that sounds really good. I love chocolate. New Hampshire has a maple syrup pie. I know you would not touch that with a 10 foot pole since you like fake syrup. I do. No fake meat, but all the fake syrup. <laughs> New Jersey green tomato pie. I'm that sorry, could I just be know. Really good. Okay. <laughs> New Mexico green chili pie. They're known mm. for their hatch green chilies. I don't know how I feel about that being in a pie. It's a savory pie. I mean, kind of like pot pie. I just have to twist right. my mindset. Yeah. And I love savory dishes. So I'm almost always going to say yes to that. And I think it sounds amazing. Yeah, that could be really good. We come to Paul's suggestion when I asked him for. American as apple pie ideas. And he said funnel cake. So let's discuss. Okay. Well, funnel cake was made in the Mediterranean. So there's that, but it was definitely <laughs> popularized as a fair food as you know, what I think is as American as apple pie, as far as funnel cake goes. What? And I consider funnel cake a fair food. And I would talk all day long about fair food. There's so much to talk about. Hey, we could talk about corn dogs. <laughs> We might, we might talk about corn dogs. I don't know, but I will tell you this. I am going to touch a little bit on fair food in one of my Americana episodes that I'm planning out about the world's fair American style. Oh, that'll be so fun. That'll be so fun. Okay. A few more pies as we round out the episode. New York has grape pie. I'm sorry, but no, Yeah. no, that's apparently it comes from the Concord grape, which New York is known for. And I'm just sorry. No. <laughs> rejected. North Carolina has sweet potato pie, which is not a pie. Does that even have a crust? Yeah, it does. I've never had a sweet potato pie with a crust. Me either. It's kind of like pumpkin pie, but with sweet potatoes. Oh, okay. Yeah. North Dakota, bumbleberry pie. That sounds that's like just, fun. That's just fun to say. Yeah. I'd eat it just for fun. And Ohio, not shocked. The Buckeye pie. Buckeye is a nut. That they've turned into a candy. And everything else. <laughs> Buckeye candies are the bomb. Yes, they are delicious. One? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. yeah. So delicious. Hey, do you remember that economics professor who used to put a Buckeye sticker on his door every time they won? By the time I graduated, <laughs> his door was like covered. It was funny. Yeah. Anyway, Oklahoma, strawberry pie. I love my yeah. strawberries, but mm, I don't know. I think it sounds great. Oregon, Marionberry. See, there's the Marionberry again. Okay, so we've got... What else is as American as apple pie? It's ranch on everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a story for that, Monica. Okay, so tell me. We're, we're down at Disney World and we got to stay on property, go to this Italian restaurant. 
And I asked for ranch, not for me, but like one of my children had French fries, right? Okay. And the lady looks at me and goes, this is an Italian restaurant. We don't serve ranch. And I wanted to be like, this is Disney World, the happiest place on earth or most magical, <laughs> whichever, give me some freaking ranch. But I did not. And I was like, why would she say that? Like, you're not, I mean, it was, oh my gosh, it was like seriously some of the It's not like I you're had. in Italy. I was like, yeah, I'm not in Italy. I'm in Florida. Like, I'm not even on the ocean. Like, give me some ranch. Right. <laughs> that is so funny. If you want more interesting comments on condiments, check out our condiment episode. Oh, yeah, because we don't need to go into ranch today. No, no. But I do think it's very American. Well, the last of the 50 states before we close out, and we're gonna go through these rapid fire. Pennsylvania, shoe fly pie. I really wanna know what that is, so I'll have to look it up. Rhode Island, coconut custard pie. Hopefully that shoe fly pie isn't a poopy pie. <laughs> or maybe it's got raisins in it because they look like flies. <laughs> okay, we digress. Sorry, yes. everybody, we're fourth grade humor over here. Uh, South Carolina, oh wait, no. Did you Rhode Island, pie? coconut custard pie. South Carolina, persimmon pie. South Dakota, kuchen. Oh, Don't know okay. what that is either. Got to look it up. T yep. Tennessee, bourbon pecan pie. Whatever. Yum. Kentucky already took that, Tennessee. No, they have chocolate bourbon pecan pie. Oh, correct me. Yes, different. You're right. Texas, pecan pie. Utah, rhubarb cherry pie. Yum. That sounds amazing. Yum. Vermont, maple pie. We've got Virginia with peanut butter pie. Washington with, what do you think Washington is? Apple. Yep, apple pie. It's the nation's apple powerhouse. More than 175,000 acres of orchard producing 125 million boxes or 2.5 million tons of apples every year. That's crazy. West Virginia is not just apple pie, but golden delicious apple pie. Mm. Oh, I love golden delicious. It's like my favorite apple. And last but not least is Wisconsin with the cranberry pie. Oh wait, we've got Wyoming. <laughs> I can't yeah, tell. It's like <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming is rhubarb pie. That's a good pie. Yeah, that's a good pie. Okay, so that rounds it out. I have a super secret family recipe that I created myself for cherry cranberry mm -hmm. pie, and I love making it. It is the absolute best. I will put it up against any of these cherry or cranberry or apple pies any day. Yeah, you are the pie maker. I am the pie buyer. But there are two places here locally that I can get homemade pies from other people, plus all the Amish. So why would I make a pie? Oh, yeah, okay. Don't do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't do any of that. Well, friends, I had so much fun researching this episode and learning about the pies and the jeans and the barbecue. I hope you did too. This is our favorite series of the entire year, exploring America and what makes it so great and the people who live here. Do you want to add anything? <laughs> add something. I'm like, that's so good. I don't know what to say. I love America and Americans too and all of our fans and friends who aren't Americans as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've, I've had a blast. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and leave us a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really is the only way the show can grow. So on all the social media, we are two Monica's podcast and that's with the number two. That includes Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. So if you are looking for some really great pie recipes, hop on over to our Pinterest under the Americana board and you will 
will find some there. And you can also go to our website to monicaspodcast.com to get all of these great recipes of these pies and learn a little bit more about Levi Strauss and also where some good barbecue places are. Until next time. Today's sound effects were provided by mixkit.co as well as zapsplat.com. Music provided by Desperados by Frank Schroeder. Banjos Unite by Alexander Nakarada. Onion Capers by Kevin McLeod. William Tell Overture. Orchestral Version by Alexander Nakarada. And Wagon Wheel by Kevin McLeod.